0: Today on the Relationship Renovation Podcast, we are incredibly lucky to have Dr. Jessica Higgins with us, and we engage in a, just a really compelling and insightful conversation around transforming conflict into connected communication. And we discuss the topic of using requests and reveals specifically as a just a wonderful tool to take a moment that might be really difficult and turn it into a connecting moment with your partner. So please stay tuned. I know you're going to get a ton out of this episode. Are you looking to make your relationship better? Do you want to feel more emotionally and intimately connected with your partner? Then we have the tool that is exactly right for you. We have a program called Relationship Renovation at Home, and it is an amazing way for you and your partner to have a structured way weekly to work together. It has lessons, it has videos, it has worksheets for you and your partner to work on together to move through and to build the relationship that you want to have.
1: EJ and I created this because we are just so passionate about helping couples feel freedom in their relationships. And again, this is just a way that we can give back to help couples globally really build secure, healthy functioning within their relationships because we deserve awesomeness in our relationships.
0: So if you're interested in this, just go to our website, relationshiprenovation.com. At the top, there's a link to at-home program and it will give you a free lesson. If you want to just check it out and see if it's something that works for you and your partner, please give it a shot. We know it will make a significant positive impact on your relationship.
1: Hello, all, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin.
0: And my name is EJ Kerwin. And we're very excited today because we have someone we've, we've spoken with before. We had a great time talking on, on her podcast and now she's here to, to share on our podcast and bring her expertise and her just like wonderful spirit. Her name is Dr. Jessica Higgins. She's a licensed psychologist. She is a certified coach, and she specializes in working with couples and in relationship issues. And uh, we have a great topic today around criticism. But first, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, welcome, Jessica. It's, it's just wonderful to to see you again.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I love what you're both doing, and it's wonderful to be on the show with you
0: both. Well, first, we'd, we'd love you just to sort of introduce yourself to our audience and also just your why you've decided over these years to specialize in working with uh, relationships.
2: Yes, I'm happy to. I'll do my best to weave my personal in with a little bit of my background. Just It tends to integrate for me anyway. I very much... Believe in walking the talk and integrating and doing my best to practice the principles that I talk about on the show, or other people are also talking about. And I just think in a bigger scope, my inclination is from a very young age been interested in others and people, why they do what they do. I think in middle school, I was proclaiming that I wanted to be a psychologist even then, (laughs) and then got an undergrad in psych and After my undergrad, I did AmeriCorps, I ran a teen program, I very much was in the service and wanting to make a difference, went to get a master's. And at that time I was in relationship and thought that this person was the one, we both thought we were the one for one another. And we ran up against a tremendous amount of conflict and difficulty And I felt very well-equipped given my background in psychology, also growing up in a progressive family where I was being taught I statements from a very young age. Mm -hmm. And I felt stunned that, you know, so much of the media messaging is find the one. There's so much emphasis on finding the right fit and felt as though we had, and we both run out and we got support. We went to therapists and all types of people to get some assistance. And we really struggled. And also simultaneously, I got accepted into a PhD program and moved. And to say the least, that relationship did not continue, but it did spawn me on a personal journey to be in this quest of what's happening in these relationship dynamics that I haven't been exposed to. And really, I was reading David Schnarch's Passionate Marriage, Resurrecting Mm -hmm. Sex. I was reading, I think it was Conscious Loving by Gay and Katie Mm -hmm. Hendricks. I was reading the Gottmans. I was reading all kinds of things and I was understanding what was some of the background around our pattern and where we were getting stuck. Had I known what I know now, I realized that that could have been a different dynamic and yet... I met my now husband probably a year. Well, I met him, but we were friends for six, seven months before we actually started dating. And I feel like I was so deeply committed to my practice in my relating in relationship. And it really set me up to be in a place where I was cultivating conscious relationship. So I met him in 2005, we started dating in 2006 and we've been together ever since. We've been married over 10 plus years. So very much grateful for the work I've done personally and also in my relationship and practicing these principles. I'm happy to share more stories, but that's where I'm coming from. And I just also shared with you both before we got started, my dissertation was on conscious intimate relationship and still it's just a lifelong journey to... Really distill these principles and put them into practice and work. So I'm very passionate about helping people evolve in their love.
1: I I just love hearing the the patience around when you're in a relationship. I I'm not sure if we shared this on your podcast, but in our lobby we have our partner is our greatest teacher. Be patient for the lessons. Not a lot of us have patience for those lessons, um, but that you are intentionally conscious around, okay, I know these things now. I've learned these things. I've experienced these and how do I practice that in my relationship? And now you are an expert to hundreds, thousands of couples, I'm sure, and just helping them from your own experience. So.
2: Yes. And I want to just echo that even though I don't feel like I have, I mean, I feel like I have some really good sense and I I have a lay of the land and I trust it. And throughout the journey of practicing just the attitude of looking at what gets evoked in the relationship dynamic and seeing my partner as a holding a mirror for me and the opportunity that exists, (laughs) that that is a huge paradigm shift and has been so helpful for really evolving and turning towards some of the healing and growth.
0: I think that that metaphor of the mirror is an Mm -hmm. excellent transition into our topic today, which is criticism. And I think the, the phrase you use is shifting criticism into connected communication. And I know that when a mirror is held up to us, you know, when it's just a mirror, we know it's just reflecting something that is, you know, reality. But when our partner is the one who is the mirror, I think it oftentimes does feel like criticism and not help. So let's jump mm. right in there. Like, yeah, help us let's. understand just on a on a beginning level of that process and what, what you're trying to communicate to couples around this.
2: Well, I want to acknowledge just criticism or the critical tendency is not inherently bad. It's when we look at the relational space, it can be extremely problematic. And I'll explain why. And just to also in Western culture, we're in the US and it's having the critique and the ability to evaluate and assess is very much needed. And particularly when we look at education, certain professions, this critical tendency is, is often highly regarded. And so when we look at relationship, and I know a lot of your audience is familiar with attachment. So I'm going to speak in some of these terms, which I think will give some context to what you're describing here with the dynamics. So when there's a couple and one person is using the critical tendency or are resorting to criticism, first of all, many of us aren't even aware that we're being critical. It's a habit often. It's something that is more intellectual. And so if we're in our work, in our profession, and it's hard to switch hats, like if an executive is calling shots all day or a surgeon or whomever is making a lot of decisions, it can be difficult to switch that approach and way of relating and and turning towards intimate relationships. So I just want to acknowledge again, the commonality of kind of switching from that headspace. But when there's a complaint or a grievance and we bring it to our significant other and we describe it in terms of what we have issue in the other, the common response is to feel defensive, mm-hmm. to feel some issue with how they're being characterized and want to rebuttal. So when one comes with that complaint it's often when we look at attachment, we have protests. We are trying to raise our hand. We're trying to signal to our other, hey, something's not working. I'm hurt or I'm afraid or something's not okay. So the underneath is really this intention to say, hey, this isn't working and to want attention about that, right? So in life, we typically want to point to the thing that hurts, like, ow, right? We see it in our children. Like there's some pointing to the thing that hurts and that's a common human thing. And so as as we look at this as a protest, what's often true about protest tendencies is it's also a way that we protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that can inform this critical tendency, how we were raised. Again, I've already mentioned this intellectual way of approaching the world, and also when we look at intimate relationship, this is typically not received well, and for many reasons.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's jumping out to me immediately is sort sort of an agreement that we have to have with our partner of what it is when we come to them and talk to them about something we're pointing out about them you know, and the difference between it it being like, hey, you're doing this, I need you to stop it. So I feel okay. You know, stop talking in that tone or stop being on your phone all the time or, or whatever. And that when it comes from that place, it feels much more judgmental and like you're doing something wrong versus exactly. when you co- come to your partner and you, it's genuinely out of like, hey, this is like, Probably important information for you to have in your own like sort of evolution and you being the person that you want to be, not the person that I want you to be, but the person that that you tell me you want to be.
2: If they're open to feedback. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. part of work. It's tricky, is we have a front row seat to our partner. And unfortunately, in intimate relationship our partner isn't as interested. I mean, if it's solicited, there's a big distinguish. If it's solicited, yes, they want your feedback. They're like, what do you think about this? Or can you give me feedback? I've noticed I'm not aware of some blind spots and I really would love your perspective. Like there's a soliciting that is welcoming when it's unsolicited. Most of the time, as the two of you both know, we are bonding in relationship for that sense of secure, safe refuge, that sense of connection and that Mm -hmm. feeling of love and nurturance that we are both mutually caring for each other. So the unsolicited feedback is kind of getting in someone's lane. Yep. And again, the intention underneath it is often not to get in that person's lane and tell them about themselves. There's this deeper feeling of something's not okay. I'm either hurt or I have a fear or something's going on, but we don't lead with that. So it can get off and running and we're missing signals because the person's defending against the critique or the assessment. And that's not actually the thing that is needing attention. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense
1: because what I'm thinking too is, especially if one partner is triggered, the other partner gets triggered to their trigger instead of holding the space. And that's when the separation disconnection Both partners feeling judged. I'm not doing this right. Oh, and here's my partner saying I can't get it right ever. But actually that goes way back, you know, from probably early attachment, these negative core beliefs that come up in those moments, but the couple doesn't take the time to understand what's really happening underneath. And then they just get caught in that pattern of feeling like they can't be connected during difficult moments where we have to be able to share things that might be uncomfortable.
2: Yes. And this is so nuanced. I know. You know, TJ, I really appreciate what you're describing because the way in which we're bringing something to our partner, the tone, the facial expressions, the quality, I think when there is a lot of safety mm-hmm. in the dynamic, partners can tolerate criticism, especially when it's delivered in a way that you're describing that there's a sense of goodwill and a wondering and a offer that's intended to be helpful. And I think that that is, there's way more tolerance for that. I think when I kind of chimed in, it was referencing when that isn't established or there's some negative pattern already at play that this can get really hooked. And so it can be in a nanosecond, the reactivity. And how quickly, to your point, Tara, it's off and running. Yeah,
0: the walls fly up. And
2: it's not even, because, you know, those
1: are the couples we see that don't have the emotional safety that we have to help them build. So this is very common in everyday Mm -hmm. sessions for all of our therapists here, including us. And for even in our relationship, it's a way that EJ looks in his eyes. He doesn't even have to say anything. And I know we have emotional safety built, but it took a really long time. And I don't think he even understood the weight of like his eyes. It's like there's a pressure behind it or something. And I'm like, oh, he is judging me. He is not liking Mm. me right now. This thing is happening.
2: I just really want to comment on what you're saying because we, with our significant other, that sense of feeling loved and seen and like how important that is, how much that other person matters. And when we can feel that it's shifted into something else, like it can evoke a lot of those fears. So it can have a lot of charge to it. I can raise my hand with this. That when I see my husband displeased or upset, I can feel inside myself how quickly I notice and mm. my, you know, I've come, we've worked our patterns and I've really mm. evolved a lot, but I definitely come from more of some anxious tendencies. I don't, I'm the continuum. I don't know how mm. extreme, but definitely have had that lens. And, um, also just a quick note, It has been helpful when we talk about language as we're using criticism is often delivered through language. I do think, you know, with the five love languages, if one is high in words of affirmation, we've often heard that if there's a negative expression in one's love language, it can hurt more. So if one is words of affirmation and that's their primary love language, hearing words that are negative or critical can actually hurt more. It's similar. Like my husband, when we first met, he's very much acts of service as his number one. And I'm like, he's so helpful. He's doing all these things. And I'm like, I had to interpret, oh, this is, he's really liking me. But I also somehow picked up, I'm not I follow through and I care <laughs> about my commitments, but I grew up on the West coast. I and mean, there's, there is a little bit of more loose than he grew up in the Midwest. And it's like, you're on time. Like you're actually early. So yeah. I realized if I don't follow through, it actually hurts him way more because acts of service. So if I don't actually do what I said I was going to do, it's going to hurt more than it would for other people. Like if he just doesn't follow through, I'm like, okay, like he had something else. So that blows my mind that you just did that full
1: perception opposite of what the love language is. Because as soon as you said that, I'm always learning. Thank you, Dr. Higgins. Thank you.
0: Yeah. That yeah. when,
1: because I'm an access service girl and when EJ doesn't follow through, it hurts so bad, but I would have never, ever connected that to my love language until just mm. now to see yeah. it that opposite. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that so true? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's the follow through. Okay. Sorry. All Thank right. you. So, so love those moments.
0: One of the things I heard was that so much happens like almost unconsciously underneath the surface that couples aren't aware of, right? So I'd like to start for for our audience, if somebody's sitting in the audience and they're identifying like, yeah, like it just feels like we have this very critical relationship and we we can't give each other feedback without it feeling like one person is being criticized or the other person is being criticized. So, So what's the starting point for you with a couple and helping them sort of begin to understand and address this dynamic in their relationship?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, typically for the individual that's really looking at building awareness around a critical tendency, likely they've had some suspicion or wondering about it already, but getting input from their significant other, they're like, Hey, I really struggle with this Approach you take with me. It seems highly critical, or you seem to always be correcting or complaining or you know something about what I'm doing. And so, for the person that is more critical, likely they can recognize, oh, perhaps I grew up in a family where achievement was highly revered or that sense of accomplishment and achievement, mm-hmm. or perhaps I saw criticism being conveyed, or I felt criticized, or even still, in the family upbringing, there wasn't a lot of room and space for attuning to emotion. Mm -hmm. So I just learned to not show emotion. I learned to kind of go to the intellect. Perfect. These people tend to be people who resonate with being a little bit more critical, tend to be more perfectionistic type a, or want to have Mm -hmm. things really dialed in. And sometimes that's a way of minimizing Anxiety, fear, like uh, the things that are underneath. And so, just as a starting point to answer your question, EJ, to recognize just willing ourselves to stop. Like a lot of people attempt to just say, okay, I recognize it. I see it. I'm just going to not do this anymore. But there's a very deep instilled habitual pattern. And it actually can even be a little bit of addictive because we get a little hit when we're right or we yeah. feel like we're telling somebody or it's, it's just this utilizing the part of the brain that gives that little bit of a dopamine hit. So can't even feel that's almost competitive. Yeah. So I just want to hold space that to recognize that willpower or just trying to stop typically doesn't lead to a lasting change what we want to really get at, to your point, is some deeper understanding of what is motivating this, what is fueling this, what gets activated yeah. so that I'm actually, it's flying out of my mouth before I even can recognize, to your point about it being unconscious, like there's something happening that I'm in service of, that protest, that that attention, seeking something. yeah. And one thing that is so important that we also
1: try to help our couples with is that let's just say there is the partner that's being criticized and the other partner who's Mm -hmm. more of the criticizer, if you will, but that other partner isn't used to having a voice or speaking up or saying, hey, I gotta let you know that that just feels really bad. So then the Mm -hmm. other person can't grow from it too because they don't Mm -hmm. even know it's so automatic. It's so unconscious. Like, oh, well, you've never said anything before. Like I had no idea that bothered you. And you're telling me now and it's been 20 years. How many times have we heard this, EJ? Yes. And so it's like all that resentment over 20 years. And so I think it's about having that conversation when things feel neutral, just around the topic of criticism, how it mm-hmm. was in their family, how it is for each of them starting to kind of build resourcing that they can have conversations around certain topics. Mm-hmm. I just know that we have so many couples that they, they've never even said that bothers me. They just get into that. They're in that conflict,
2: but they don't quite know why. Well, this, this brings to mind, I actually haven't really woven this in. So I'm grateful you're bringing this up that in the history of the dynamic, if there's one that's a little bit more of an extrovert can externally process their pacing is faster. Typically they can articulate faster. So for the one that maybe doesn't feel like they get as much airtime can feel like, Oh, like they're occupying a lot of space around their experience and their perspective. And I don't feel that it's I'm being representative enough here or I don't get as much of a voice to your point and the hurt and the resentment. So the dynamic is very problematic and I actually appreciate you bringing this up also because it is worth saying, and I'm sure many people are familiar with this, the Gottmans have done a beautiful job in all the research in their institute mm-hmm. and they came up with the four horsemen and one of them is the criticism and defensiveness. So this that loop yeah. is over time, this is where people say, death by a thousand cuts, right? It's not, we wouldn't look at that and say, ooh, that's, if you don't address that, you might be getting a divorce, right? But if we look at the accumulation, because it's not a turn towards at all. It's not welcoming. It's not creating this goodwill that we really wanna feel with our significant other.
1: Well, and one thing I found too is that once couples can get through this and have difficult conversations and share with each other what would feel good, what wouldn't feel good, They can handle it now. Like, I don't think they ever had this internal belief. Like, even when they're growing up, you know, a lot of work we do here is attachment theory. Like, you know, maybe their family, like you said, wasn't emotionally attuned. They don't have that ability to regulate emotions when things get difficult. But now they're able to handle it together, to regulate Mm -hmm. their nervous systems together. And they feel like, Oh my gosh, that feels so good. We, we had no idea.
2: Yes, that it's safe. Yes. It's safe to bring the vulnerability. It's safe to reveal the inside. No one's ever really been interested in that or seemingly interested in it. Therefore, I have not led with it.
1: And for maybe the first time ever, they can actually have a voice and that voice is okay. Even if it hurts the other person at times. Yes. Because they know it's not intentional and that they're not a bad person.
0: In our relationship, what's been interesting is like we had an agreement very early on that we wanted to learn from each other and we were both committed Mm -hmm. to our own personal growth and that we recognized and and then we integrated into our work with couples that that look i can actually learn a lot from your criticism or your perspective of me and so we had that baseline and we got that really early on Probably because we're therapists. And there's consent, right? With the
3: agreement, there's consent. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each. All with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. That I'm yep. asking for this. I'm soliciting this.
0: We made that agreement, but then we've spent the last, you know, decade plus trying to figure out how to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's been like this real, like, two facets of like one trying to figure out just the communication like okay how can we communicate with each other in these moments that feels good to the other person and, and is hearable mm-hmm. but then the other side is like just personally it's like it's been like this deep very intricate work about like why do I get so reactive and taking accountability for it and even realizing it, you know, that was one of the things when Tara was talking about, like the look in my eyes or or Mm. whatever, like I felt like there would be these, you know, sort of criticisms within criticisms of like, I'm telling you this and your eyes are doing this. And I would be like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm I'm just like sitting here. And then it took this like deep reflection of like, okay, what is really going on? On a subtle level for me, like, and it all tied back to attachment stuff. And I'm, you know, still, sure. you know, sorting that all out of like what are these like deeply entrenched responses and defensiveness, you know, that that I have.
2: Mm-hmm. It's interesting, even as you're describing this and the journey that you and Tara have been on around giving feedback to one another. I love just how much you were aspiring and also co-creating together this partnership and the growth and the the learning and the value for that. My husband and I also, in different ways, feel that's very much a part of our value. And And I also say for myself, there are times where if I'm tired or stressed or whatever, don't have as much capacity... I actually am not as available for his feedback. And so timing feels really important for me to be able to give some voice to so that it can be more received and more constructive. And there are times depending on my regulation that I can hear his feedback and when I do and really receive it as a gift and the learning that comes with that versus me like white knuckling it, (laughs) it's a huge difference. And being on the receiving end, like I wouldn't say my husband's critical like towards me, but what I have observed in him, which is less now, but particularly in those early years, I remember remarking to him, I'm like, you're telling me a lot about what you don't like, but it's really not helping me understand what you do want or what you do like. So I think this fits with criticism in that Mm. if we're leading with the complaint, the other person might be getting sucked into responding to that complaint, whether or not they're defending or, you know, recrafting reality of like, no, that's not what happened. Here's what happened. You know, often running around that, but it's almost like a smoke signal that like, oh, there's, can you tell me what that's like for you? Or can you help me with, as you're bringing this up and this doesn't work for you, can you tell me what happens for you? So that that's what the person's raising their hand about. And if we're not attending to that, likely we're going to get off track. Yes. Absolutely. We always use that
1: when we, you know, that it's called the taxi cab of love. We don't get in a taxi and say, we don't want to go here and we don't want to go here and we don't want to go here. We get into the taxi and say, please take me to the University of Arizona bookstore so I can buy a U of A shirt. And so helping have that reframe in relationships, especially when we're doing goals with couples, it is a constant reframing. What do do you want? What would feel better? And then that automatically opens up your heart and it just opens up a discussion in such a different way because the negativity isn't there. Yeah. You're actually working together on resolution on how this could feel better together. And yeah. that feels really good. You're, you're going in the same taxi camp at the same location.
0: Yeah. All right, I love, I love that. So we've talked a lot about like some of the characteristics of critical communication that don't feel good, that are counterproductive, that pull you apart. And you talk about transforming it to connected communication, right? So what are the characteristics, if we're trying to, say, get in the cab with your partner and decide where you guys want to go together, what are the characteristics of connected communication?
3: Yes.
2: Thank you for asking, because that's really at the heart of this. And I can lead with just the core. I like to encourage and practice myself. To Instead of a complaint or a criticism, can I lead with a request or can I lead with a reveal? And the reveal is typically the harder because it is that vulnerable, here's what's on the inside. And often in modern day living, things are moving so quickly. There's many times I don't even know what I'm feeling. Yeah, And so I actually need to take pause and really reflect what is getting me all juiced up here? Like, what's this reaction about? And I have to give some space for self-inquiry, self-reflection, because as we talk about attachment in these, if we've done a level of work, we could have some pretty good indication of like, oh, I... You know, I'm I'm a little more prone to getting worried that he's not with me, or fear he doesn't want to work this out, or fear of abandonment, or I have more of a fear like not good enough, or somehow I'm failing, or you know these type of things. If we have a lay of the land, we can reference that. Like, is there anything around that? But there could be other circumstances that just are activating or triggering or something, and things happen so so fast. So if we can slow down. Have some inquiry, get into some of those deeper. One of the questions I like to ask is if I'm complaining, what would the thing that I'm asking for, like in that complaint, if I got that or if that complaint was resolved, what would it allow me to feel?
0: Okay. Can you give a concrete, like, especially reveal? Because that sounds vulnerable and intimate.
2: Okay. So, One of my husband and I's patterns, so early on, he, one of his protective strategies was more to kind of shut down or to get quiet or get more contained when things would start to feel tense. And my tendency was a little bit more of that active. I'd done a level of work. So the way it looked was more polished, but it was still the energy of pursue. So asking questions in a gentle way, but still the energy of seeking him out. Come back.
0: Come back to me. <laughs>
2: Come back. Yes. Yeah, like, where are you? <laughs> or, you know, and just looking for understanding. That's often what I'm leading with. But um, the underpinning of the attachment is like, are we good? So in conflict, what this used to look like was there would be points if it was escalated enough where he couldn't really engage. And then I'm flailing, like what's happening? What are, are we okay? And sometimes it would be a day, sometimes it would be hours, sometimes it'd be more than one day. And it was incredibly painful. I go through all this process of like, I don't know, you know, and just it was a lot of material for me to work with. But as our relationship evolved, I would say probably maybe eight years later, I I had this understanding of like, oh, if I just know he wants to work this out, like that would help me. So I remember asking him, can you just tell me or can you, or are you, do you want to work this out? I just wanted to know that that was so relieving and soothing to me. Cause if I knew he wanted to work it out, I could tolerate. So to answer your question, initially I would give him feedback air quotes (laughs) around him shutting down or getting quiet and not engaging. And that was a complaint or perhaps even a criticism. Mm. And so how I could turn that into a request is, Can you tell me you're going to come back? Can you tell me this still matters to you? Or to your point about the deeper reveal would be, I've known a lot of loss in my life and you mean the world to me. Mm. And when we get in conflict, Uh. I I can even feel the emotion of it now that I get scared and I want to reach for you and it's hard to give you space and that's what's happening for me. So the reveal is a real emotional, like on a deep level how much you mean to me how scary this is and wow. i get frightened like that's pretty much the reveal i can't go any deeper yeah. than that like that's <sighs> and what i would say and practice over and over and over again the times that i would criticize him or the times that i would be pursuing him he would not respond
1: yeah
2: like i pretty much like earth like rock not moving <laughs> and then when i would reveal to him vulnerably i mean if he's super super triggered i can't remember if he could hear me but other than that i've never yet had a time where he hasn't responded yeah. and turned towards me yeah. and leaned in and how like powerful that is
0: it's so beautiful because it's like the difference between you're abandoning me you're not present there's something you, wrong you can't with you. handle this and and i'm just i'm frightened you know i'm yeah. i'm scared i I just want to feel connected, even in these difficult moments. And one, the other person puts their walls up, and then the other. I, I we talk, talk to couples about this all the time. The other way that that is you call it reveal, opening up vulnerably. It's disarming, yeah. Because you're like, oh my god, my partner is like suffering. They're they're in pain. Yeah. Like exactly. Oh shit. Like I, I love them, and it's organic.
2: Right. It's not manipulated. It's not crafted to like. Yeah, manipulate or have a technique, and it really helps him with his attachment style. Because if I would pursue or ask questions or even complain, he's going into his fear of yeah. letting me down, not being good enough, and all his stuff. Yeah. So that's his coping strategy: is to minimize the negative interactions to deescalate, protect the relationship. Yeah. And I can't see any of that, right? Yeah. So if I reveal. It helps him feel like, oh, all the things I was imagining that she was thinking I was awful and like letting her down and terrible. Oh, she's just hurting and I can it softens it. I can turn towards her and it helps. Jessica,
1: when I saw you sharing the reveal, because again, if our individuals, our couples can get there, it is really hard. It's vulnerable. Yeah. There's that fear of like, oh my gosh, I I've never not had my guards up. What does that mean? Because, and I could tell how powerful it was for you as soon as you were feeling that I was feeling it with you because couples don't realize the freedom it actually brings. And we know it because I've been there. It's like, I love that I can just melt now and do the reveals. Not all the time. I'm not perfect at it for sure. And I think because we have that knowledge and the feeling of it that's how we help so many couples and i'm sure you can relate because like you freaking know what it feels like now and you are the hope holders when couples are hopeless because you've been there and we've done the work well we continue to do the work right all the time but yeah how do you get to the reveal that's Thank you. That was just beautiful, really,
2: yeah, yeah. And I can also add in the early stages when I had no idea, now we have a level of security that this doesn't get activated because we've worked our patterns and he's showing I mean we've we've resolved a lot of the disconnect, so this doesn't happen, not to say that it wouldn't ever happen. but yeah. I can say in the early stages when I was really confronted with this it also was really healing for me to have my own two feet underneath me that I didn't know it was a mystery. It was scary. I was yeah. taking a huge risk and I could also hold like I'm scared yeah. rather than pursue, pursue. And I'm not even acknowledging that I'm scared. Yeah, Like in some ways I was having my own back and holding myself around. I'm scared. And when I know that I'm scared or someone that I love is scared, I want to support that fear. Right? So it puts me in a very different position where I'm have my own back, I'm kind of not abandoning myself. Yeah. You're needing yourself
1: and your partner needs you too. That always feels really good. Yeah.
0: I just think it's so just counterintuitive to our own natural reactions. I think that's what, you know, it's just always important for us to normalize for couples out there that, because I think sometimes when people hear stuff like this and hear such like a vulnerable opening up that that you're mm-hmm. now able to do with your partner They're just like I can't even imagine that, you know. It's just so far out of their experience, right? And that we have to be the ones to help people understand that, like it's it's a process.
2: Yeah, well, it is a process, and it is incremental. Like I went with, I went pretty deep, so I can use another example that's not as deep that might also help. But what I will say is that. Most people can recognize there's a lot of energy expenditure, so it's not as though effort isn't being already right. invested, and yet it's not leading to a result. And so if we can look at and even take smaller steps in this request or reveal the energy shift, even if it might feel like I'm going to take a risk, but it's not like the deepest risk, i like on a scale from one to 10, it's not a 10, but I can start to feel The result of that, which is highly motivating, right? If we get some iteration of this, it's like, oh, I don't want to go back to the other way of just like spinning and spinning and spinning and nothing really ever really happening that feels productive.
1: We call kind of what you're saying, what you're talking about, we call it the shift because so many couples will be like, what if we go back? I'm like, oh, you won't. Not after you go there. There's (laughs) no way you're going back.
0: Yeah, even if you have a hiccup or you have a backslide, you have that felt sense of like, there's just a couple of times I remember in our relationship where Tara's walls went down and I really saw her suffering. Mm -hmm. And I didn't take it as like, honestly, like it was my fault, Mm -hmm. but I understood and saw that it came from a deeper place that existed before me. And then- when maybe in the future she would have a reaction where where maybe she didn't communicate it in a way that where it did feel like criticism, I was able to access, you know, a resource back to like, okay, this is her suffering. And I would just like tell myself that was a tool that I use. Like I, would, mm. I was like, she is suffering. She is suffering. This is her deepest suffering. May not look like it it may look like aggression or it may feel like aggression but i had that access point because she was brave enough at some point to let it all down then i also had the the resource to be like okay if i occupy a certain space with her she might put her weapons down
2: mm, nice you know
0: she like i have the capability of creating a space for her where she can soften this up and really like help me understand what's going on.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I love what you're both describing. And I do think it's when we get a sense of this, we're in service of that, right? It's so powerful that shift. We want to be in service of that, that we either partner can support in shifting out of that criticism, defensiveness. And I do think asking those questions of, Like I'm showing you I'm an ally, I'm giving you my soft eyes and I'm giving you some soft voice and I'm interested. Can you help me? Like you're leading with criticism and not even to necessarily say that, but just like Mm -hmm. that's happening and tell me about you, right? Like I'm here. Mm -hmm. You want to say more, right? Like I think that's really disarming incredibly. Yeah. So, so just another example that is one of these, I think the Gottman say every couple has seven to eight irreconcilable differences. And this is one of them where I'm more of a planner and my husband's more looking at what's the most efficient route to the, get the result. And I'm like, what is the, like, I scan all my options. I do my, Cast the wide net, do all the research. (laughs) And then I'm like, get down to the top few. And I've learned if I can give him a top few, it's less overwhelming for him. But I'm like looking for the best result or the best (laughs) I can possibly do, not best by anyone else's definition, but the best I can do. And so this shows up in many different ways. But one example as of recently is like, if we're wanting to take a trip, I'm going to want to look at how to maximize. And he's looking at how to streamline in a way that's more efficient. So those inherently aren't conflictual. They can be complementary. We can learn from each other, which we have done, but on face value, if we're not aware, it can look highly critical for him to be like, are you you like, you want to do everything? Or like, that's just crazy. Or, you know, he'll criticize it as to like, that's just maddening that you would want (laughs) to do all that, that pace. And then I'm like, are you not wanting to put in the effort? Are you, I don't say these things, but I might no, think, oh, sure. is this just lazy or like, you know? So it's like- Done all this planning. Do you not appreciate me? Exactly. Right. So, so I remember sitting at, we were actually in Asheville. We were trying to decide if we wanted to go to the beach and we're just trying to decide which weekend. And he's, I can feel like the intention for us is to have a good time. We're maybe going to celebrate. I forgot where we were going to celebrate something. And I'm using the enthusiasm I'm feeling as excitement of like, here's all the ideas. And I'm feeling him get resistant. I'm feeling him get a little snippy and kind of a little critical. And I'm like, I'm like not understanding what's happening. And we're going through different cycles of him saying something and me talking possibility. And it's just getting off track. And I'm like, what's happening? I was like, so I did kind of what you were describing, EJ. I was like, what? what might be going on for him? I didn't even ask him. I was just like, and I'm like, oh, well, this is classic. I'm like, he probably is feeling overwhelmed. And I was like, are you, I asked him something about, I, I actually need to recall this better, but it was something to the effect of like, oh, is this feeling overwhelming to you? And he's like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, like, Thank you. <laughs> okay, we can do this in a less overwhelming way. Like, And then I was like, well, can you tell me that? Like, I, you know, rather than criticizing me, like that you're needing this to be a little more simple because we're doing a lot right now and not wanting to overwhelm. And I'm like, I can get behind that. Like I yeah. want to show That's the, that's the important thing yes. here that if we're have access to what's on the inside, whether or not it's a request or a reveal, yeah. people want to show up. Your loved one wants to help. Yeah. Right. But the criticism is like, like I don't want to feel criticized. So I want to defend against that. So once I understand, it helps me under- get where he's at. And then I want to help. And that gets us into more of that connection.
0: The first example you gave was very intimate. And reveal feels a lot more like deep. It's like It's like opening up about something that's very soft and maybe protected. And then the other was the request. And that's a little more like... It's a little more practical and it's a sort of a step in the right direction. It was like, and you were just asking him like, what do you need? Yeah. Do you need me to, you, you were kind of helping him make a request. Yes. You know, and that's, and then you're, 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 you're taking care of him. He's safe. Attuning. Yes.
2: It's a, it's a pivot. It's a pivot off of the content. For sure. We're planning a trip and I'm excited and we're getting stuck and I don't know what's happening. And it's a pivot to the emotional attunement around something's happening here that we're not flowing. And what is that? Yeah.
0: And there's there's like an an implied underneath to him, I care. Mm -hmm. Even though it feels like we're in opposition right now because we each have our own little operating system about how we function on a vacation. I care actually about yours and it's, you know, it's just beautiful. It connects, it softens things, it makes us realize like actually we're we're on the same team and that's something that I know early in our relationship, like I think both of us would occasionally just look at each other and be like, we're on the same team here, like we're in like, you know, Costa Rica or something, you know, right. and, or we're... Right. You know, take, we're at our kid's birthday party and we both want the same thing for it to be fun, but it feels like we're in opposition to one another instead of on the same team.
1: And we all deserve to be in relationship where we're on the same team, right? This is why we do this work.
0: Well. Clearly, we could talk for for hours and hours with you. It's so cool. We we hadn't spoken with you since we've been on your podcast. I know. And so, you know, I know we, we we got to talk a little bit before this, and then, but once we get flowing with you, it's it's so fantastic. I know. We're, we're clearly coming from similar places, and we're doing very similar stuff with maybe like a little bit different, you know, words around it. But it's it's amazing. It was, it was wonderful to have you. Could you maybe just for our audience, if they're you know, if they're really connecting with you and your language and how you're, you know, how can they connect with you? Just kind of mm-hmm. help them know how to get to you.
2: Yeah, thank you. And it is such a treat and really special to spend this time with you. I can feel the resonance, and I do feel like we could talk for hours. I <laughs> yeah, I love being a, with like-minded people and and the philosophy and the passion around this work. So for listeners that are interested in practicing and putting this into play a little bit more there's a free guide which I believe you'll have the link for the show notes. Absolutely. And that's the it's a it's a free guide that gives language and it's like 22 examples actually of what a critical tendency could look like or would look like and what more of this request or reveal looks like so that perhaps you can start to reverse engineer some of this because sometimes even on a reveal It doesn't have to be what I just did. It could be like on a scale from one to 10, it can be a two. Like like for my husband, I'm starting to feel overwhelmed and I'd like to plan on something a little bit more simple. Like it's a reveal and a request, right? That's Mm -hmm. a combined. So I think there are ways that we can access this. And so there's tons of examples there. It's a free guide that gives you that support. I also have a podcast, which the two of you have been on, and maybe you want to include the link that you were on my show, uh, which is called the Empowered Relationship Podcast. And all of this can be found also on my website, which is drjessicahiggins.com. That's doctor with a DR. And there's many more resources there as well.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us on on, on our podcast. It's been just a pleasure and a really like engaging conversation.
1: And just let's start thinking about our next topic so we can see you sooner than later.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we want to have you down to Tucson and, uh, and, and have you into our office. That would be wonderful. All right. Well, well and, uh, you know, thank you all for listening. We always, we just appreciate every single one of you so much tuning in. Please, if you ever have a topic that you're like, please talk about this, just email us at info at relationshiprenovation.com. Visit our website and, and check out, you know, everything that we're doing. That's relationshiprenovation.com.
1: And as always, take care of yourself, take care of each other. Bye bye.
0: on the train me and you listening to the rain me and you we are the same me and you have all the fame we need indeed you and me are we
1: catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona